think we can just go home. <laughs> that was good. Appreciate that. Uh, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1 if you have them. And I'm not actually going to preach to you tonight. Um, I'm just going to do the solo that John said I was going to do. So, no, trust me, you want to hear me preach instead. Um, and thanks, Josh, for picking God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen, because if someone else wasn't going to put their hand up, that's exactly the song I was going to suggest. So, praise the Lord for that. It's one of my kids' favourites too, so they were happy that you chose that. All right, Exodus chapter 1. We'll read a few verses here after I pray, um, but please pray for Pastor and his family uh, while they take their break. It'll be good for them and good for us as a church if we pray for them. So let's just take a word of prayer and then we'll jump into something here. So let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you, uh, Father, that we have this time to reflect on your birth and uh, to make a point of it, Lord God, and uh, to remember all you've done for us. And uh, we thank you that you did come as a human, Lord, to die for humans' sin, for mankind's wrongdoing against you, Lord. We thank you for salvation, and thank you that we can preach that message, Lord God. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this morning and for Brother Robin's message and for helping us with that, Lord. I do thank you for your long-suffering toward us. And uh, Father, even for the gathering tonight, we thank you for each one that's here and We do ask, Lord, that you would continue to do a work in our midst. We pray, Lord, that you would be pleased as uh, your word of God is spoken tonight. And I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, myself included, uh, as we look at the things in your word and what you have for us and how you help us, Lord. And I just pray that you would be pleased with everything that takes place. I pray you would receive the glory and the honour that you deserve, Lord. And we thank you for this time to gather together. Thank you that we can open your word tonight. And uh, we pray that you'd be with us and help us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, tonight's message, if you want to write down a title, I've titled it Staying Afloat. Staying Afloat. And really, I just want to talk tonight about staying afloat through the hard things, the difficult things, uh, the problematic things that we face pretty much at any given time. Uh, Not necessarily just this time of the year, but I think this is just something that hopefully can be a help at any time of the year. And I was thinking about this as I was putting it together. Just because it's holiday time, just because it's Christmas time and, you know, school's out and people are taking breaks and going away, it doesn't mean that the hard times finish. It doesn't mean that the hard times go on holidays. We don't look at our December calendar and go, oh, there's a two-week block where there's no hard times. Wouldn't that be good? But it doesn't happen that way. So we're we're inevitably going to face hard times all the time. Uh, So this really is just, I want to talk about some... I guess I call them protections against the hard times. There's things that we can put into place to help us through them or maybe it's help somebody else through them. So that's, that's in a nutshell what I'm going to look at tonight. So uh, follow along with me. We're in Exodus 1 and uh, thanks Alvin. Thank you Alvin for singing that uh, Bible reading for us. That was beautiful. Um, but Exodus chapter 1 and so obviously this is a story here about Moses and how his mother put him in the ark and protected him. Uh, but Obviously, the bit that we didn't read before that was that Pharaoh charged all his people to throw the male babies into the river to get rid of them. So Exodus 1, verse 22, we'll just have a look at that real quick. It says in verse 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So Pharaoh charges people to cast the males into the river, and I want you to notice that the fate of all of those children that didn't have the protection that Moses, Moses had was great loss. I mean, I think we'd all agree that 
a baby cast into the river with no protection whatsoever was great loss to them, great loss to their family, just great loss all around. Uh, so there was no protection there for, for those other children, and Moses had the protection. And so just have a look here in, our verse, uh, in Exodus verse two, uh, chapter 2, sorry, verse 2 and 3, and this is part of what Alvin read, but uh, it says, And when the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, notice this, she hid him three months. So she was able to hide him away for three months, able to keep him safe for three months. Verse 3, And when she could no longer, not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. And so she made an ark, put the child in, and put it by the river's brink. So for us this, for us this evening, I want you to think about the fact that you might, you might remain hidden or untouched from certain problems, certain bad things, certain difficulties for a period of time. But inevitably you're going to get cast into the river. You're going to come into contact with the water that could be a trouble. You're going to come into contact with the water that could be great loss to you. So those babies that got thrown in, they came into contact with that river, no protection, and they had great loss. Moses, he was hid for a period of time, but it came to the point where he had to go into the river as well. The only difference was that he had protection. So that's what I want us to think about tonight is what protections are we putting into place because it is inevitable that the hard times are going to come. We are going to face them. We're going to have loved ones that go through them. So what protections are we putting in place against that? And uh, this is something that confronted me. is like what protections am I putting in place in my life? So inevitably that's going to happen. And really I just want to look at that because, you know what, the, the problems come Christian and non-Christian. They don't... They don't they don't, they don't care what you are. They don't care your beliefs. It's just going to happen. It's just inevitable. So the question is, what have you put in place? Well, the first thing I want you to notice, write down, whatever you want to do here, is this point here. The water doesn't have to be completely surrounding you to be a problem. So the water tonight that I'm talking about are the problems of life, are the difficulties of life. So if we can just get that analogy. But the water doesn't have to be completely surrounding you to be a problem because... You probably all heard that people have been known to drown in a very small amount of water before. They don't have to be cast into the ocean. They don't have to be drowning in big waves. They can, they can drown in something that's only this much water. They can fall over, knock their head, and they can drown in that. Like a baby. A baby only has to have that much water to be able to drown in it. But so does an adult. So it doesn't have to be... You don't, your life doesn't necessarily have to be filled with all these problems all around you. Everything is problem everywhere you turn for you to be drowning in it. Sometimes it can just be one little problem that ends up being a big thing in your mind, a big thing in your sight, a big thing in your heart, something that you just continue to think about and think about and ponder on and then it just continues to grow and grow and then you see it so much bigger than it actually is but really it's only this much. So we can find ourselves drowning a little bit in problems, not staying afloat even though it's only one small thing. So we need a protection against that. And this is, this is why having a protection in place is, is important because God here in this story used the people around Moses to protect him. Obviously, Moses himself at that stage was unable to do anything for himself. So Moses had to rely on the people around him to put protections in place, even for something that might have been just a small problem to them. Because you think about it, Moses' mum, Moses' sister, like for them... Standing in the river, who knows how deep the river was? It probably wasn't that deep at all at, at the edge. It probably wouldn't have been a problem for them. 
But they were thinking, hang on a minute, this is a problem for Moses. He's a baby, he can't fend for himself, he can't swim, he, you know, he, can't, he can't do anything, so we need to put some things in place to help him out. And so God does that. God uses the people around you to help with protections. Now, Hebrew says this, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we should exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I say that because that's one of the protections that we can put in place in our life is really just being in church, just gathering together around other people. Because something that I see as a huge big problem, someone else around me can go, hang on a minute, bro, it's not actually that bad. Maybe you just need to look at it from this angle. Hey, maybe I can just show you this thing or maybe some example that they've had in their life and say, I know it seems really big, but it's actually, it's more like this. So just being amongst God's people can help with a protection like that. And so Moses had that with his family. He couldn't, he couldn't do that himself. So placing ourselves where we know God is working and speaking. And that's, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with my life, with my family, is going, I want to place myself where I know God is already speaking, where I know God is already working in other people's lives. Because I look out across here and I go, okay, I know there's God, God's working in, in these people's lives. I want to put myself and my family amongst that. That was one of the reasons that we actually came to this church, because God, we saw God working and God moving and God talking. And there was people here that, hey, I can actually see that happening in their life too. And we were probably a little bit like Moses, you know, the baby Moses, like we need a little bit of help here, we need a bit of protection and maybe some example from other people's lives to see, to see things clearly, to see things correctly. So work, placing ourselves where we know God is working and speaking. Philippians 4, you don't have to turn there, pretty familiar verse, but Philippians 4 verse 8 and 9, it says this, and this is Paul writing, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, we often, we often hear that preached a lot, that, you know, to, to get the bad stuff out, you've got to put the good stuff in, you've got to think on all of those good things. But it's actually the next verse that I want to, I want to look at. Verse 9 says it's Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Go and do those things. So he's saying, hey, he's not like bumping himself up, but he's saying, you've heard, you've received stuff from the word of God and you've learned stuff. You know, you've been under the teaching and, and you've seen my example, you've seen my way of life and you know, you've heard me talk about how to get through problems and all this kind of stuff. He's saying, take it as an example. Use it. It's there for your protection because I, as Paul, I've gone through a whole lot of stuff. You've seen how I've handled it. So now you can use that for your own self. You can use that for your family. You can use that when you feel like you're drowning. You go, oh, hang on a minute. How did he handle that? How did that other person in that church that God placed me in, how did they handle that? So God's using the people around you as a protection. So we need to look at each other like that. Because here's the thing. Sometimes the people we're looking at are the ones that we have a problem with. Sometimes the people we're looking at are the ones that we think they're the ones causing me to drown in this thing. It's the big problem. That person right there, they're the big problem. And everyone's going, where's he looking at right now? <laughs> I'm looking at my mum. <laughs> she doesn't know what I'm saying. Um, but in all seriousness, there's going to be a time where one of us is the problem for each other, or we, at least we think we are. 
So God's saying, hey, you need to learn to look at people and learn from them no matter what. You might think they're the problem, but maybe they're the one who's giving the protection in your life somehow. So being, being comfortable with where God's placed you and choosing to stay where God's placed you too. That's important. So Paul kind of exhorts this, that you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to remember what he's done. And so we need the example of others to deal with problems correctly. So that's the first one. The second one is this. If you flick over to Exodus 14, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the size of the problem. It doesn't have to be completely surrounding you for it to be a problem. The second one is this. It doesn't matter how many others are in the water with you. It doesn't matter how many others are in the water with you for that water, that problem, to be a problem. And I'll, 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 I'll explain by saying this, asking you this question. Have you ever hoped that finding others with the same problem as you will somehow solve that problem? Looking for someone else who's got the same beef about something and going, hey, I'm just going like, to get a whole bunch of people that agree with me or that I can just, like, you know, we can just back and forth about it and then somehow that's just going to like, solve it. I'm sure it will. It'll make me feel better if nothing else. Like, I'm sure we've all kind of been there. Well, that's not true, necessarily. Just because you find a whole bunch of people that are in the same problem as you, it doesn't necessarily solve that problem. But we can get to thinking that it does. And problems don't get solved that way. In fact, if you think about it, it just means that there's more chance of being pulled down and being drowned in that problem. Now, if you've got a whole bunch of people in a pool, you just add more people in that pool, then you've got more of a chance of being pushed under. Have you ever been pushed under when you're in the pool, maybe as a kid or something? It's not a nice feeling. That can, be the, that can be the problem when you have a whole bunch of people just agreeing with you in what you have an issue on. Okay? So numbers don't necessarily make things just sort itself out. So Exodus 14 here, we'll have a look here. This is the story of the Egyptians chasing Moses and the children of Israel and basically you know, just wanting to take them out. They've left Egypt and God's led them to, to the Red Sea. Uh, and Exodus 14 verse 28, look at this. It says, and the waters returned. This is after God's part of the waters through Moses. It says, And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. So just like the babies that were thrown in, in Mo when Moses was a baby, they all got cast into the water. They faced that same water that Moses faced, but it was the protection that made the difference. While the children of Israel faced the Red Sea, and the Egyptians and their chariots, their army, they faced exactly the same Red Sea. But the difference was the protection. That was the only thing that kept the, the, the children of Israel alive, was the protection that they had. Okay. So the Egyptians faced this same water. However, they suffered great loss without protection. And they couldn't overcome this with numbers. It didn't matter how many of them there were. They were never going to be able to push that Red Sea aside by themselves, no matter how many they had. They needed a protection, and I, I submit to you tonight that they needed the protection of submission. And you might say, protection of submission, how's that? Well, have a look in Exodus 14 and uh, verse number 16. This is what God said to Moses when, when they came to the Red Sea and the people were complaining and they're like, oh, you brought us out here to die kind of thing. Verse 16, it says, God says this, he says, But lift up thy rod, lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, 
and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Don't forget that Moses, though he's the one we always hear about and God used him to do great miracles and stuff, don't forget that Moses was one of the children of Israel that also faced this problem. Yes, God was, you know, speaking to him and using him to do mighty things, but Moses was just a man facing the same problem that every single other person was facing. It's just that he happened to be in charge of this whole multitude behind him. So he wasn't some super special person who just dealt with problems all different to anyone else. He was still having to face this, I'm in this problem right now. What do I do? So God said there in verse 16, I want you to lift up your rod and I want you to divide the waters. So Moses had to submit himself to God's authority in doing this. He had to believe that God could do it and then he had to say, okay, I'm going to do what God said. That's submission. That's letting God have his way because Moses might be like, you know what, I don't think that way is going to work. I'm going to try my way. Everyone get together and let's try and push this water apart. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. So Moses actually had to submit to God's way of doing things. But more than just Moses submitting to God's way of doing things, the children of Israel also had to submit to God through Moses. So they had to do exactly the same thing. Do we believe that Moses believes God? Do we believe God... Do we follow him or do we try and part this ourselves or do we just hope that some other thing is going to fix our problem? So they also had to submit to that. Well, you know, the, the waters could have been parted and they could have gone, mm, no, I don't trust that. I'm not walking through that. So they had to trust that God could not only part the waters but keep them parted for them to go through all safe onto the other side. So submission really was at play here. So the children, had, the children of Israel had to submit, Moses had to submit. And Exodus 14, verse 22, look at this. It says, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord parted the waters and the Lord protected them, but he protected them because they submitted to his way of doing things. So not only do you need to place yourself in, in, amongst other Christians, amongst other people going through things, they can help you with an example, but you also need to just remember that it, it's God who we need to submit to, but it's God's authorities that we need to submit to as well. God is using people in your life as an authority and you have to choose whether you agree with that, accept that or not. Because you can, you know, go out on your, on your own and just do your own thing. That might be fine for a while. But God has channels that he works through. God has people in your life that he said, that is your authority. They are your authority. And I know for young people, this is something that they really need to remember all the time. But hey, we need to remember it too, that there's always an authority over us. And we just have to submit to that. We have to accept that. Be willing to accept it and just go, okay, I don't know everything. It's not just my way. It, sometimes it's God's way. Sometimes it's that authority's way and I need to follow that. So Moses remembered that. The children of Israel, I'm sure, were learning that a little bit more as they followed Moses and he, he showed that as an example as well. And I'd say this to you. Sometimes to stay afloat in the problem waters, we need to be more comfortable with having hat hair. Don't you agree? We should be more comfortable with having hat hair. I hate wearing hats. 
I don't like getting sunburnt and I sure don't want to get skin cancer. I hate wearing hats though because I get hat hair. So you put your hat on, you wear it for however long, take it off and then, you know, it's all like sticking on a different side and it's like all matted and sweaty or whatever. It's gross. It, I don't, that doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel nice. But sometimes that's how we approach submitting to authority. I want to do it my way and I want to look my way and I want to feel good about doing it my way. I don't want to have hat hair. I don't want to submit myself to somebody else's way. I don't want to put that protection on. I know it's good for me. It'll keep me from harm. It might get me out of this problem that I'm in, but I don't want to do it like that. Sometimes that's how we approach submitting to authority, whether it's in the marriage, whether it's in church, whether it's just in the family, whether it's at workplaces, whether it's just a mentor, whoever it is. Sometimes we just balk at, no, I don't want that. So we just have to be comfortable with sometimes you're not going to like it. Sometimes you are going to have like sticky, uppy hair and the stuff that you don't like. But that comes with submitting to authority. But hey, so does the blessing of getting through the Red Sea and getting safe to the other side. So we need to think of that, the bigger picture, not just how does my hair look right now? How's my ego right now? Because, you know, pride kind of creeps in and doesn't want us to submit sometimes. So that's a protection we need to put in place, folks, is choosing to submit to authority. And then once we've chosen to submit, it's like, okay, I need to make sure I know who my authorities are. Because we might be comfortable with, yes, I'm going to submit to authority, and then God might say, that person, there's your authority. And we might be like, (laughs) that's just another thing we we need to submit to and go, okay, who does God say is my authority? And we need to be okay with that. But that's a protection to put in place so we stay afloat when the problems come. Okay? Something that we just all have to do. It's, it's the way that God works. So we need to strive to be humble and remembering the order that God works through. Okay? Striving to be humble. You know, that's easy to type up on a, on a computer and print it on the page here. Strive to be humble. Just do it. But isn't that hard? Striving to be humble. But that's what we need. That's t- to be able to handle problems correctly, you've got to be able to say, I don't have all the answers. You've got to be able to say, I don't like that solution, even though I know it's going to work. So we have to strive to be humble. We have to strive to not put ourselves out there first and go, what does God want? What does my authority say? What's best for me? What's best for my family? What's, what's, what, what pleases the Lord? So striving to be humble, easy to write down, not necessarily easy to do, but it will protect us. All right, that's number two. Number three is this. Uh, Let's flick over to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. It really is easy to write all this stuff down and just go, here, this is what we should do. But that's that's why it's important being in in a local church because pretty much a handful at least of people around you have been through hard stuff and can help you with this. So it's really important to to get to know each other, to talk to each other, to, you know, find out about each other and just share things. That's what's good about being part of a local church. All right, Matthew 14. Here's the third thing I want you to think about. So it doesn't matter whether the water, the problems are completely surrounding you, It doesn't matter how many people you have in the water with you, in the problem with you. The third one is this. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are 
around the water. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are around the problems that you're seeing, that you're facing. Whether you're familiar with all sorts of problems yourself or by helping others through them, there's always the possibility of finding yourself out of your depth. So you might be like, yeah, 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 I've seen those problems all the time. Like, I've been through so many, I've handled them correctly, or, you know, I've been helping all these people through problems, problems, problems. I'm the problem solver. Like, you know, I'm even pointing people to the Bible to help them solve their problems. So you might feel like, yeah, I've got this. I'm comfortable with it. I'm not the one who worries about problems. I'm not the one who's like sees that little problem and makes it huge. I don't do that. So, so you might be really familiar with it, but there's going to be a time where you come to one and you just go, whoa, never, never been here before. What do I do here? That kind of thing. And so that's what we see here in Matthew 14. It's a story of the disciples in a boat amidst a storm. Verse 29, uh, verse 29 to 32 So obviously they're afraid because they see something walking along the water. The waves are going up everywhere and they they know it's Jesus and then they find out it's Jesus and then he says, come. And Peter was, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So I know, you know, we've heard this story a hundred times before, but it's pretty amazing Peter walking on water. I mean, we go, yeah, Jesus walking on water, he's God, like, Amazing, yeah, wow. But Peter walking on water, that's amazing. But think about it, Peter, who's a fisherman, no doubt very familiar with the sea, very familiar with storms, very familiar with boisterous waves. I'm sure it wasn't the first time he'd seen it before. So when he's standing in that boat or sitting in that boat, even though they were afraid at like this, this figure that they saw walking on the water, it doesn't say that they were afraid of the storm. I don't think he was afraid of the storm when he was in that boat. He was in his element. He was comfortable. So he'd seen it all before. He'd, he'd worked through it all before. He'd fished through it all before. But then he did, get, he did get afraid. The reality is we're going to face problems that are similar to what we've seen before, but some will bring us out of our comfort zone, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So think about it. We're going to face problems we faced before, and it's like, okay, let's, let's do the thing that God says we should do. Let's submit ourselves. Let's, you know, learn from examples of other people, whatever. And then there's going to be the ones that bring us outside of our comfort zone, and we just go, whoa. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's the time where we can exercise faith. That's the time where God's most likely doing a growing work in us. And Peter kind of came to this point here. So in verse 30... It says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. So now he was afraid. He was outside of his comfort zone because normally he's sitting in the boat and he knows how to handle the boat in a storm. But this is the first time he's been out on the water in the storm and now it's a whole new world. And so he's looking to Jesus, he's coming to Jesus, he's got his eyes fixed and he's doing the right thing, he's being spiritual and then he sees the wind boisterous and the waves boisterous And then he starts to sink. He's outside of his comfort zone now. This is a problem he hasn't hasn't dealt with before. How many of those have you had? Problems that you haven't dealt with before. Even though it's like all these familiar ones over here and then all of a sudden, I don't know what to do here. This is the first time I've encountered this. So we know what happened with Peter here. He basically begins to sink, verse 30. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him 
and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. So there needs to be a protection here against familiarity of problems. And the protection here, I would say, is the protection of prayer. So think about it. Peter here called out to Jesus. He's communicating directly to Jesus. It's, that's a form of prayer, isn't it? Calling out to Jesus, saying, hey, help me. He's crying out. He's putting his hand out. That's what we do when we're praying. We're asking the Lord to help in this situation, this problem that I don't know how to fix right now. That's prayer. So a protection we need to put in place, when we know there's going to be things that we face and we have never faced before, we need to make sure that we're praying. And not just at the time it happens, but leading up to it. And I know that's weird. It's like, well, I don't know when it's coming. Yeah, exactly. That's why we need to be putting the protection of prayer in place. Lord, help me with the problem that I don't even have yet. My children are this age, they're going to be this age, and maybe there's going to be a problem there. Help me when, when I get to that. Help me to use the example of the Christian folk around me to know what to do when I get to that. Help me to submit to my authority when they tell me you should do this and this is the way God works and I don't like that for that problem that I don't have yet. Praying for those things, praying about those things, putting this in place and just continuously doing it and you're continuously asking for the Lord's help and then you find that you're not sinking so much as you were before. It's not such a, oh my goodness, kind of reaction to a problem that you've never had before. So... Protection of prayer. The Bible talks about casting our care on him, for he careth for us. That's prayer. It talks about the responsibility we have to bear one, another, one another's burdens. We're supposed to pray for one another, aren't we? We're supposed to lift up their burdens through prayer, giving that over to the Lord as well. It talks about watching and praying, which includes in familiar territory. So when we think we know it all, we're supposed to still watch and pray and supposed to give that over to the Lord so we don't get surprised, like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. It's one thing to call out to God yourself, as Peter did here, but I'd also include that it's good to ask others to pray about potential problems, you know, decisions, situations that are going to come up. Because I can pray for myself a whole lot, but I think the, the intention of bearing one another's burdens is that we would share things with others and they would also cry out to the Lord and that we would get the Lord's ear on some things. So you know what that means? We've got to talk to each other. We've got to get in each other's lives a little bit. What, you mean I've got to like come over at 2am and knock on the door? No, but we shouldn't just come to church and sit and, okay, great, and then go home. We've got to get in each other's lives. We've got to ask how each other are. We've got to have people over for dinner. We've got to... Do whatever it takes to get in each other's lives so we can go, guess what? I'm bearing your burden. You told me about that thing and I'm praying for you. Hey, I've got kids that are this old and you don't yet, so I'm going to pray for you about those things that haven't happened for you yet. Whatever it is, we've got to get in each other's lives and we've got to pray with each other, for each other, and we've got to help each other. So Peter was protected here from great loss through prayer. And he would have learnt something in that day, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure his eyes would have been open to how to handle problems a little bit differently and the faith that you have to have and all that sort of stuff. So think about it. God's placed protections all around us, like Moses, his family was around him, 
the children of Israel, you know, submission. The Lord was always there ready to help them and, and provide for them, but they had to submit. And Peter here, he was protected through prayer. Those are just some things that you can put into place, choose to put into place because you know that there are going to be problems. You know that it could even be tomorrow that something comes up, you weren't expecting it, or maybe you are expecting it and you're hoping that, you know, it's just going to go away because there's all these other people in that same problem. Well, I don't think it works like that. So we need to put these things actively in place so that the Lord can protect us and help us. And we need to welcome and accept them. It can go a long way to staying afloat in the Christian life. I don't know about you, but usually at this time of year, it's when I feel like I'm drowning a little bit in stuff. And, you know, it might be work stuff, it might be family stuff, but when that happens, then the devil's also at work too. He's like, hey, let's throw in a problem there. Let's take them by surprise. They're used to this busy time of the year, but let's throw something in that they haven't seen before. So we need to be working all year to be putting these things in place. So thinking coming into next year, okay, we know that the the devil doesn't take a, a time off. Problems don't take a time off. The Lord wanting to grow us, he doesn't take a time off. He's wanting to grow us, so he's going he's gonna to use some of these things for that as well. So that means we need to be continually putting these things into our schedule. And I know, like I said, it's easy for me to stand up and say that, but I'm in the same boat as you guys. I need to discipline myself to do it. But I've found that these are the, the kind of protections that God offers, and when you take them, when you put them in place, he actually does help you with the problems that you face. Because I've found, you know, that I can see things and they just grow, grow, grow. And it's actually not as big. And then someone will go, hey, like I said at the start, it's not actually that big. And you go, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. (laughs) You know, but just having other people inputting into your life. It's such a help. So that's, you probably look at that and go, okay, that's, that's for me to take for me. But really there's an aspect here of if you've got that down pat, then help someone else get that into their life. Help a young person get that into their life. Help a, help a new Christian get that into their life. Help a struggling Christian get that into their life. You know, we probably all know someone who's just struggling in their Christian walk or struggling with some part of their Christianity. So t- tell them about this. Hey, these are some protections that you can put into place because you're going to get problems, problems, problems. They're going to come. But the Lord's good. And like we heard this morning, he's long-suffering and he makes a way and all these things, Okay. So that's just me sharing some things that I've found the Lord helped me with. Pray that's a help for you, that you can use it, that you can encourage others to use it, just to stay afloat and uh, not feel like you're drowning all the time when the problems come. So pray that's a help. Uh, We'll finish up there. I'll have a word of prayer and then we'll be done in a second. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your goodness to us. So thank you, Lord. Uh, for these examples in scripture thank you lord that they are true examples that they're not just a story not just a a fake novel or anything like that lord but real people real lives real problems and are real protections that you put into place i do pray that you would help each of us lord to remember these things uh, to to take your word for it lord god and to to test it out father and to see that you are good to see that you do help and uh, father i pray that you would help us to Look at the things of others, Lord God, and to invest in the lives of others. Help each other to grow and to be ready and able and willing, Lord, to invest in another person. So, Lord, we do thank you for all that you do for us, all that you have done. Thank you for growing us and teaching us through the things that we face. I thank you that you always have an answer, Lord God, in a way 
And I do pray that you would guide us, help us, protect us, Lord, this week ahead and, Lord, for the, for the year to come as well, Father. We do thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for your goodness. And we do ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.